The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and backroads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, everyone, to Trip Talk. Well, we're not taking too many trips, are we? We're kind of stuck in here. We're self-isolating. We're quarantining. We're getting through the pandemic. Wow, what a time we are living through. But you know what? Someday there's going to be the green light, the all clear, and we are going to take to the open road again. Today we're going to discuss and get you inspired about visiting high country in Idaho, southeast Idaho to be specific. And within southeast Idaho, there are glorious places to discover. They're in the gem state. We'll be back right after this. Let's face it, Nevada's slice of Interstate 80 is a stretch of highway most motorists expect to blast down, pedal to the metal on their way to somewhere, well, else. But those folks, they're missing out. They're missing out on a road trip brimming with real deal Western heritage that we like to call Nevada's Cowboy Corridor. Discover the lively, history-rich communities waiting just down those off-ramps with Travel Nevada's Cowboy Corridor podcast. Hear from Nevadans who, over several generations, have formed a deep bond with the northern Nevada landscape and kept its Western vibes alive. Meet the maker of the country's only ranch-brewed beer, the founder of Winnemucca's Buckaroo Hall of Fame, the owner of one of the American West most legendary custom saddle and leather shops and far more. From Basque sheep herding to ranch brewed beer, ghost towns to modern mining, and of course, plenty of buckaroo tradition. Learn just how deep the history and heritage along the Cowboy Corridor runs. Head to soundcloud.com slash Travel Nevada to listen to all three parts of Travel Nevada's Cowboy Corridor podcast. And of course, there's plenty more where that came from at travelnevada.com. Welcome back, everyone. It is our pleasure today to introduce you to Birgitta Bright, the founder of Forest Design Group, a marketing and design firm where she has had the pleasure of working with Southeast Idaho high country tourism since 2005. Birgitta is an Idaho native and an enthusiastic proponent of her home state. She loves historical fiction, office supplies, and travel, but most of all loves the return home and hanging out with family. Thanks, Birgitta Bright, for joining us today. Welcome to Trip Talk. Thank you so much. There is so much to see once we are on the road again. And this is another place that I have pledged to go visit. I've been to Idaho. I've been to Boise. I've been to Twin Falls. Those are the spots where you figure, well, a lot of people have been there. But when it comes to southeast Idaho, that remains undiscovered to me and to many listening to us. So we're going to get them educated and inspired to go out and visit you out there. Southeast Idaho, Idaho high country, as it's known. I think that it's it's full of history, it's full of gorgeous nature, and full of friendly, hospitable people, as far as I'm concerned, based on my own experiences of being in Idaho. Brigida, let's get started. There's so much to get to. Let's unpack it. If you are driving through Idaho and you get to that southeast corner, one of the things you're going to notice is that there are a couple of gorgeous byways there, including the Pioneer Historic Byway. Tell us about that, because last week we were talking about the scenic byway system, and Idaho has a couple of its own. That's right, and we have two in the, the corner of southeast Idaho, actually. Um, but the first one that you just mentioned, the Pioneer Historic Byway, um, contains a lot of pioneer history, as you would imagine, but it's also very um, beautiful uh, rolling green hills leading up to mountain ranges, 
Um, this would be the area that if you were interested in stopping to see some of the springs that the pioneers traveled in, there's, there's a spring in Soda Springs, the town, that uh, has carbonated water flowing from it. And the pioneers used to stop there, and they'd have a little treat. They'd get themselves some carbonated water, mix in some sugar, and make their own you know, soda. I'm sure it wasn't like the soda we have today, but a, a yummy little treat for them along the way. Um, soda Springs also has the world's only captive geyser. This wasn't there when the pioneers were there, but you can stop and see it. It has a um, geyser that uh, erupts every on a regular basis, and it's not such hot water that you can't play in it. So kids can run and play in it, and uh, which you cannot do in Yellowstone. That would be very dangerous, so don't do that. But this is a chance to get out and, and actually see nature doing that kind of activity up close. I'd like to circle back to Soda Springs Geyser. It's such an attraction unto itself, but I don't want to neglect the other byway that people can drive. Sure. So um, some of the things that you'll see along both byways is... Um, well, we have just a lot of mountain ranges in this corner of the state. I think a lot of people don't realize that once you get back down to the bottom of the state, we're actually the foothills of the Rockies. And so each byway is on a different side of a mountain range. So one way you go down through the Pioneer and uh, beautiful drive, and, and you can stop by Maple Grove Hot Springs. And you'll notice when, when you come into the area, there's a couple different ways you can go through the area. The other way is um, coming up around Bear Lake, which the Oregon Trail Bear Lake Scenic Byway is one that um, goes right around Bear Lake and then comes up towards Soda and some of those places too. But Bear Lake is a 23-mile by 14-mile lake that straddles the Utah and Idaho border, and it is known as the Caribbean of the Rockies because it has this beautiful turquoise water so it's amazing to go uh, even just drive by there or go play in that water. And then just north of there is the Oregon Trail Center, the, the National Oregon-California Trail Center, um, which is the only trail center in the country that is actually on the site of the Oregon Trail. It's actually built on the Clover Creek encampment. So you're right there in the historic same place that all of those people traveled. Stepping back into history. And Brigida, I congratulate you on having a fund of knowledge at your fingertips. I can see why you are a resource person when people are planning to travel throughout the area. This is great stuff. Oh, I did want to so much. <laughs> there really is. It's endless. Soda Springs Geyser. Let's go back to that for a moment because I, I think people should understand it in perspective. Is it Old Faithful? No, it's not Old Faithful, but what it is is more faithful because it is a captive geyser. Maybe it would be good, Brigitte, to explain the concept of the captive geyser. Yeah, so what actually happened was, I think it was in 1937, the city was going to build a swimming pool, and when they were drilling, they tapped into this um, hot natural springs area, which... The whole area is covered with hot springs throughout our region. If you look at our proximity to Yellowstone National Park, if, if you understand geology, you'll see that you know the hot spot kind of slid over this area over tens of thousands of years, and that's why we have some remnants of that hot water. And so while they were drilling, they hit this uh, 
vein of hot water that started shooting up. And the story, as I understand it, is that it actually did affect Old Faithful and that someone at the park contacted them and said, hey, you guys have to cap that because it's affecting Old Faithful. I don't know how accurate that is, but that's the story that I've heard. (laughs) So they, they capped it. And then every so often they have to relieve the pressure on it. And so it still is a, a geyser every regularly released, and that's when the kids can play in it, and uh, you can see what a geyser is like. It's pretty much once an hour on the hour, is it not? Yes, yes. It's it's very much more predictable than Old Faithful. I think Old Faithful is, is kind of, well, it's up to Mother Nature she is, and this one is more man-made or man-controlled. Yes, yes. I have been to Yellowstone. Of course, I've been to Old Faithful. I got as close as I could to it. And it's off by, I think they say 20 to 40 minutes. So you have to be patient. It didn't used to be that way, but that's how it is now. And when it goes off, you're looking at Old Faithful. But this is the new Old Faithful we're talking about. And it squirts pretty high in the air, too, as I understand it. Yeah, it does. Um, I don't have the feet right in front of me. I'm sorry, but it does. I have lots of pictures that we use in our advertising and stuff with kids running and playing in it. And it's just a lot of fun. Initially, I understand that it shot 100 feet in the air. So this is an impressive geyser. This isn't a little dribble from Mother Nature, that's for sure. Also, the water is fantastic, too. I should mention, I I understand that it it won first place in a competition at the Chicago World's Fair. Oh, is that right? See, now you're telling me something that I didn't know. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, give thanks to Wikipedia and not all... (laughs) I don't take it as gospel. I would lean on someone like you for the good information, but I understand that took place at the Chicago World's Fair in 1893. But here it is, that this wonderful place out in nature, and yet the hand of man is there in order to control it and to preserve it. Right. Yeah, and we have a lot of places like that throughout the region. The hot pools are a good example. So with the hot pools, um, there's Downetta Hot Springs and Maple Grove that I mentioned on the Pioneer Historic Byway and Lava Hot Springs, which is um, a world-famous hot pools. But So, of course, it's natural water coming from springs, but then the pools have been built around it, you know, so that the water flows directly into the pools. And they have 2.5 million gallons of, of natural spring water flowing through those pools each day. So... It's just an amazing natural phenomenon that man has enhanced, if you will. And inherited. Yes, that's absolutely true. And I'm also thinking there, I should ask, because there's some traveler out there, future traveler, saying, okay, I'm going to fly into Boise and rent a car. How difficult would it be or how easy to get from Boise or Twin Falls to this area that you are covering with me today? Um, Not difficult. What I would actually recommend is to fly into Salt Lake because we're closer to Salt Lake. So either way you want to do it, it depends which sites you want to see. Like you mentioned, Twin Falls, um, where there's some beautiful waterfalls. um, And and with the rain or the snowpack last year, they were amazing. So if if you fly into Boise, we're about four hours away. If you fly into Salt Lake, we're about two and a half hours away. Oh, that's a difference. Yeah, so either way, it just depends on the sites that you want to see. And, of course, I would encourage you to see as much as you can of Idaho, of course. But um, there's there's things to see along each different route. That is then, great information. 
And then they do have connecting flights directly into Pocatello. There's um, four flights right into Pocatello, and then you could rent a car and kind of make this a base area as well. But, yeah, car rentals are definitely the way to go, right? And so you can yes. see all of those back roads and those highways and those um, oh, interesting this, things that are just not the on scenery. The I yeah. can't say, and of course, I've been up in Coeur d'Alene there in the Panhandle and Sand Point. So I, I guess I've seen my share of Idaho, not nearly as much as I would like to see. It's just beautiful everywhere you turn in the state of Idaho. And yet there are things that are purely man-made attractions. And I want to pivot to that, Brigida, because this is incredible. I wouldn't think that such a place would even exist, but you have it right there in Idaho's high country. And I'm talking about the Museum of Clean. That's right, the Museum of Clean, the only uh, the only museum of its kind anywhere in the world. Yes, that's right. And and just like you had to say it twice, that's what I have to do all the time because people say the what <laughs> because it <laughs> sounds really really weird. Um, but it is really an amazing place to visit, and I've I've never heard anyone who has actually gone to it say otherwise. They are always super impressed. Um, let me just tell you the little story about that place. So it's really a, a, the story of a man's life. Um, Don Aslett, when he was in college, he started a cleaning company here at Idaho State University, and he grew that company to become worldwide um, to ver- varsity contractors. And as he um, became popular with that, he also wrote, he's written, I think, over 60 books on cleaning, and he used to be on all the, the like morning talk shows with the cleaning hints and that kind of thing. And so people would send him their old vacuums or antique washers or weird things like that. They're like, oh, he's the cleaning guy. Let's give it to him. So he started accumulating this weird kind of collection of things. So he purchased this um, three-story, 74,000-square-foot warehouse in Old Town Pocatello, and he refurbished it. Um, to, he's almost to platinum lead standards, so that's super environmentally responsible and friendly. Um, it takes all the, the gray water from the rain and reuses it in the toilets and to water the grass and that kind of thing. But it's a lovely facility. It's 74,000 square feet, so it's got um, three different floors, uh, another to open soon with everything you can imagine. Um, one of my favorites is... There's a, a vacuum. I, I don't know if it ever actually got made or if it was just patented, but the, the idea was the man would sit in the rocking chair and rock, and that would create the suction so that the woman could vacuum, <laughs> push the little vacuum around. And I thought, you're kidding. That is hilarious, but kind of reflective of the times, I guess. So, also, one of those stories that I hope is true <laughs> for pure entertainment value. Oh, yeah, there's, you can see the whole patent poster on how it, and he has one right there that was invented. So, yeah, they're crazy. There's some with people, you know, you wore them on your feet to make the, the billows go. Or, yeah, there's just one of everything. And then he also has um, a huge area for kids to play in. And the whole idea of the museum is not just vacuums, but it is to sell the idea of clean Um in so many ways of our lives. So clean oceans, clean arteries, clean world. You know, so he really is stressing 
how the value of clean improves our lives on the whole. And so it, it, it reaches into a lot more areas than you would suppose. You have it to does. Through. It's a fascinating concept. And I imagine that a lot of people are going to go there out of pure curiosity, but there is a lot to learn there as well. I would make a trip to a place like that. It's novel. It is. And it's, and, you know, you, you're afraid that when you go to a weird sounding place like that, that it's just going to be a little hole in the wall. And it is not. It is definitely worth the stop. I would recommend it highly. And sometimes Don is there to give tours himself. If um, he's not, then he's got his uh, manager there that gives the tours. And the guided tours are are awesome because they have so many cute little tidbits to give you. Or you can take a self-tour, but you have to dedicate a couple hours to go through it because there's just so much to see. It's amazing. It's the kind of thing that would give you a story to tell everybody when you get back home. I have no doubt about that. Right, the and photo ops all over the place. Oh, I'm quite sure. The yeah. Museum of Clean, but let's not neglect the Idaho Potato Museum, Idaho and its famous potatoes. So if I go to the Potato Museum, I'm going to learn a lot more than I know now about potatoes. You are. They have a little... Uh, one wall with just potato mashers, which I think is great to just look at. But they talk about the history of um, developing the different uh, types of potatoes and why our area is specifically um, hospitable to growing potatoes. Um, and they talk about different types of um, farm equipment. And then they have a cafe where they serve baked potatoes, of course, but they also serve potato ice cream and lots oh, of other little potato treats like that. So it's a, probably it's a, pretty good French fries. Yes, awesome French fries. Which, you know, <laughs> and fry sauce, which I don't know if that's a thing anywhere else, but I know Utah and Idaho, we have fry sauce, which is a big deal. I have never heard of that before. Oh, <laughs> it's like a combination of ketchup and mayonnaise, but oh, okay. your fries in it, and it's yummy. Now, you're telling me that there is actually potato-flavored ice cream? There is actually, well, I don't think it's potato flavored, but it's made with potatoes. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Yes, I don't, I don't know if you'd like that flavor, but, but no, there's delicious flavors made from potatoes. So, if I were going to get potato ice cream, I'd buy it for the toppings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe some sour cream and uh, cheddar cheese. Yeah, I'm not a chive person, but I don't know. In that case, I might make an exception. That's pretty fascinating in itself. Now, that's located, the Idaho Potato Museum is located in Blackfoot, Idaho. That tells me that it gives that town a lot of distinction, no doubt, but also Blackfoot, as in the Blackfoot tribe. Is there is there much to see in terms of Native American history in that part of Idaho? Yes, so um, southeast Idaho is home to the Shoshone-Bannock Tribal Reservation, and they have a lovely, a beautiful state-of-the-art hotel and casino that um, the casino just opened uh, a big remodel, and it's beautiful. And then they also have the Shoban Tribal Museum, which is a nice place to stop and, and see some artifacts and some history of the um, Native American culture. So, and that is just in between Pocatello and Idaho, or I mean, and Blackfoot. So it's only seven miles outside of Pocatello, I think. And so there, so we do have a lot of that influence in our area 
there's also a lot of the other museums, like most counties have a museum, and they're going to have Native American history woven in as well, just because that's part of the culture of this whole area. You mentioned Pocatello a couple of times, Brigida, and I want to give that lovely town its due. It has its own distinction within Idaho and in the American West. Tell us about Pocatello, and particularly, if you're going to go there, I think a lot of people would stay a night or two. There's so much around it to see. It's part of this high country, but it has its own distinction. Pocatello, what does it have to offer to travelers? Well, Pocatello is is the largest city in um, southeastern Idaho, and so you're going to have a little bit more um, choice for lodging here. However, a lot of the other towns have... uh, you know, bed and breakfast and other hotels with their own experiences, too, so I don't want to discount those. Um, but Pocatello is a, has a university here, and so it has a pretty diverse culture as far as, like, international students coming and people who stayed. And so we have some pretty good restaurants that are um, multicultural. We have, you know, Indian and Thai and um, Himalayan food. And so there's always good places to eat. And then the way Pocatello is situated, it's it's tucked right into uh, the mountains. So on one side, you're facing the open plain towards the Snake River Plain, but the other three sides are right set up into the mountains. And you can access trails, seriously, within 10 minutes. You can be out into nature. You can be hiking or biking or taking ATVs or any of those things. So Nature is just so accessible here. That's one of the wonderful things about that I enjoy about living here. And then um, we also have just activities all the time that are just fun for people to attend. So in the summertime, they have um, a farmer's market. They have uh, Revive at Five concerts downtown. They have concerts on the University Quad every Thursday night. So... I think there's like three nights a week that you can go to a public music event during the week all summer long. And then, uh, of course, they have Art Walk in Old Town. We have a lot of antique shops and galleries, art galleries. And that happens first Friday every month all year long, which I'm always amazed because people are still going to that in January when it's snowing. And they just want to get out and see other people and see the artists and support the local events and it's it's really a nice community feel it's a way of fighting back against cabin fever and if you think typically people suffer from bouts of cabin fever just wait until we get past all of this crisis that we are dealing with now of course there isn't a date certain for okay no more crisis we understand that but eventually and inevitably people are going to venture out again and southeast idaho sounds like just a wonderful place for people even if you're flying into the state or if you're going cross-country i've done that sort of thing a couple of times myself you can get in your car, you can go to places that you just won't find anywhere else. That's right. And, and I mean, we can still dream of where we want to go, right? Right now, even though we're not able to go <laughs> right now. People who are listening to us are doing that very thing, Brigida, I guarantee you. Let me ask you before we close today, your organization, your fellow promoters, you and your fellow promoters of Southeast Idaho, what is the strategic thinking about getting through, because there are bills to be paid and there are people staffing your organization, 
what is the plan between now and the time when you will start to see the influx of travelers? Well, I think one thing that we're really um, cognizant of is we don't want to go against any um, health orders from the state. We're trying to make it very well known that, you know, there is a stay-at-home order in place, so nobody should be traveling right now, and we don't want people coming for their leisure travel right now. We want everyone to do the community-minded thing and and help us get this over quickly. Um, so our thinking is just that we would like to put out those inspirational messages. We're, we're all in this together and, you know, show you the beautiful place that, that we live in and hopefully inspire people to make plans for that down the road. Hopefully um, they will be able to visit the website and just, you know, make future plans. But for now, I think we're just all kind of trying to uh, weather this together and be supportive to one another and, and help as best we can, at, like, you know, take, ordering takeout from local restaurants that sure. need that help and that kind of thing. Brigida, this is our opportunity to have you tell people where they can find out more about Southeast Idaho online. You bet. Um, we have a wonderful website. It's called IdahoHighCountry.org, and it covers everything. It's it's uh, we're, we're very fortunate. Our our web person, she is all over it. She lives and breathes this stuff. So so it's very thorough. Um, you can find out information about travel in any season and any kind of travel, whether you're traveling by RV or you're flying in or you're. Um, looking to rent, our, you know, ATVs or bicycles or any of that stuff. Everything is on the website. And so IdahoHighCountry.org is a really good resource. It sure is. I've been there myself, and I will go back again when I'm planning to come out to southeast Idaho and enjoy all that you have to offer. You've made it sound so inviting. Brigitte Bright, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been great. A pleasure indeed. We'll be right back after this message. Hey there, traveler. While you may be hunkered down indoors, that doesn't mean your travel dreams have to be. No matter what's going on out there, we'll be around, keeping you inspired about some incredible memories to come. Who's saying this? Feel free to wander around our incredible state of Nevada right there on your own device at TravelNevada.com or listen to some stories from the road at SoundCloud.com slash TravelNevada. In the meantime, be safe out there. Take care of yourself and the people you love, and we'll see you down the road. Thanks once again, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us on American Road Trip Talk. Along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine, we remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road. Until next week, drive safely and stay safe.